Welcome everybody to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host Mitch Michaels recording this out in Los Angeles. Got a lot to talk about today in the sports world. Whether you're a regular subscriber to the show or first time listener, thank you for checking this show out. Got Josh Wynn on the show today, Tennis Channel co-worker of mine. He's worked in sports for a while. He's an LA native. He was a teaching golf professional. We're going to talk about all the sweet spots in his sports fandom. Golf, the U.S. Open. Gary Woodland wins his first major at Pebble Beach. Tiger Woods wasn't really in contention. We talked about Tiger. We talked about Brooks Kepka being a consistent force in all these majors. Woodland winning his first. And we also talk about the NBA draft and trade news that has jump-started the offseason. Anthony Davis, the Laker, what Josh has to say about that. Did they give up too much? What's going on in Houston with Chris Paul and James Harden? The Celtics and who we think is going to go top Maybe three or four when the drama starts building in the NBA draft. Josh Wynn's going to break all that down now on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, first time guest of the show. Really pumped for this one. Friend of uh, friend of mine, friend of the program, officially on here, sports veteran in the industry, Josh Wynn. Tennis Channel co-worker Josh Wynn, thanks for joining the show. Pleasure to be on, Mitch. So looking forward to it. Yeah, now you're you're a man of many inter- and many interests, sports related. Uh, native son of LA by way of Belgium. <laughs> I, had to, I had to get that in there. But uh, golf has been, would you say, outside of you know the LA, the Lakers, and some other teams, but golf has kind of been one of your biggest passions. Would you say? I would absolutely say that. I got into the game uh, a long time ago. Um, being from Orange County and from Cyprus, where Tiger grew up. I knew about him my whole upbringing and uh, followed his career closely. And it wasn't until I left college the first time, <laughs> I was playing college football back east and came back and my buddy was playing college golf and I was terrible. I couldn't slap it around and break 100 to save my life. And I really got into the game and then ended up caddying at Bel Air, which led me to becoming a much better player and then eventually passing my playing ability test to become an apprentice and a teaching pro. So the game has, that was 20 years ago now. So the game has uh, always been close to me and a tiger lover, uh, admittedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, golf is golf is is fun again with Tiger back. I can certainly say that since he won the Masters. Yeah, and when you said you guys were like months away birth-wise. Were you born in the same hospital too? Uh, I was born in Anaheim General. He, I do not believe okay. he was born there. Um, but we were, yeah, we grew up two miles away. He's 30 days older than me. He was born December 30th. I was born January 29th. So okay. that same era and uh, same Gen X as you would, there as you, you will. There you go. Well, I would agree with that. I think obviously with golf, with Tiger winning the Masters being back, it's super fun. And kind of leading into this U.S. Open recap where Gary Woodland wins his first major, tears it up. You had the Kepka drama of him pushing late. Would you also say it's fair to say, and I know you're more of a golf historian than I am, so I, I'm just judging it more intently now that this is the most I've ever been into golf. It seems like a good generation of, of golfers now that are at the top. Tiger's generation was cool. There was a lot of good names, but this next wave of golfers, not only are they all very talented, but it seems like a lot of them are pretty good dudes. They really are. And they're also, as you can see, they're athletes. You know, I don't know how much of the post-round Gary Woodland press conference you listened to the other day, but... Somebody, one of the um, reporters asked him, like, you know, what was it like playing college hoops? He's like, I was legit. He's like, I, we won two high school 
titles in Kansas, and I went to D2, and he's like, my first game we played against Kansas, and Kirk yeah. Heinrich lit me up. And he's like, at that moment, he's like, I realized I wasn't going to play in the NBA. So the thing when you – and you look at these athletes, like obviously like Brooks and DJ and, I mean, Jason Day. I mean, you can go all the way down the list. These these guys are athletes now that could, play, that could have played other sports potentially. So I think it's great for the game. They're all good dudes. Social media, I think, has been incredible. Like Justin Thomas is one of the best follows on Twitter, and these guys get it. Um, and it's cool to see the interaction with – the Barstool's guys and the guys from the ringer with Tiger and all the boys on the course. It's been really great for the game. Yeah, we, and we mentioned Winland played D2 basketball at uh, Washburn and, and has that whole background. Brooks looks like an athlete, and maybe that is Tiger's legacy is getting guys, getting young kids into golf that wouldn't have otherwise played it because this next wave of golfers seems mostly and a lot more athletic, I should say, than the past ones. Uh, Woodland, unbelievable effort to win his first major with Brooks hot on his heels. I believe it was the uh, Pebble Beach U.S. Open record. He was phenomenal. Had, I think, 34 straight holes without a bogey. And, and that was a clear case up into the very last putt, Josh, of, of going out there and winning it. There are majors when guys are just holding on. Woodland was the aggressor the entire time. And it was cool to see, again, you mentioned everybody rooting around for him. It seemed like the, the course, the crew, everybody wanted him to win. I, I really think they did. I mean, the story would have been great if Brooks would have captured his third and and he he was there till the end. Incredibly, you know, he didn't get up and down there on 18 like he would have liked, and put a little more pressure on Gary. But to stay that focused and to stay shot to shot like he has or like he did throughout the whole week was incredible. I mean, if you really watched the round, Justin Rose was there the whole time, but he was piecing it together. He couldn't hit a fairway, mm-hmm. he couldn't hit a green, and he was incredible from the sand. And at a certain point, that's just not. A recipe that's going to work but I think what Gary said it best is his caddy gave him the confidence to hit that three wood on 14 which was ridiculous I've played there like to hit that it was I think he was like 263 up the hill and in that cold weather like he nutted that ball and it was that aggression and to get up and down there for birdie and he birdied 18 coming in and that that shot on 17 dude I don't know if like, <laughs> there's so many distractions around there, regardless with the Pacific Ocean standing right there. But to have all that pressure and to have that lie was so tight, and he just nipped it perfectly. It bit and just rolled down to like what was that, a foot and a half? Yeah. And um, it, it was it was pretty cool to watch. Yeah, it really was. Uh, and for a guy like that, we mentioned looking for his first major, having to deal with the Kepka factor. The course itself, I thought, was very interesting. I know you're you're somebody more dialed into the, to the setup, the whole locations and everything. Didn't hear too many complaints. Remember last year, it was a nightmare when they were in New York in the opening couple rounds. But by and large, do you think they did a good job at Pebble Beach this go round? I do. The, the USGA is in a no-win situation. They get to host right. one event a year, and they try to make it the toughest test in golf. And yeah, they've gotten away with that with some of the the recent course setups i disagree with what phil said is it's completely ruined all the 29 opens he's ever played in because like i was down at tory pines in 08 that was a great setup he played like crap that week i followed him almost uh, as much as we could that day with adam scott and tiger but you know if you're not hitting the ball straight and he's not even though he's coming second six times like you know what i mean like i i but i think the course setup was fair the weather just didn't really cooperate it's just the sun didn't come out which may would have made it really tough tiger in 2000 finished minus 12 so he bettered that 
But the difference is Tiger won by 15 and nobody else was under par. Um, this time people got off to a good start. But after that first day and a half, it really kind of quieted down in the course. Tiger finished minus two at T21. Mm-hmm. So it kind of showed its its teeth when it had to, I, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think at the end of the day, look, they're all playing under the same conditions. So for any player to just think that the course got to them more than any other player, I think is a little short-sighted. But we do have to mention the Kepka factor. I mean, the guy, it's pretty incredible because he just keeps coming. And you look at the past, I think, seven majors he's been in. The last, Six of the last seven, he's been first or second. Even if you date back a couple more, uh, it's just incredible this run he's been on. And what what gets me is what gets a lot of what I see in a lot of elite athletes. What separates them, I would say, Josh, is the fact that even when they're not at their best, they're still capable of making that move. And again, Woodland had to play great down the stretch because Kepka is roaring his consistency in these majors, where it seems like that's all he does get up for. But his consistency in these majors is just off the charts. It's pretty incredible, and I, I I'm sure you've heard it in his press conferences where he's. He's got the psychological edge because he's broken it down to the, you know, I know I'm going to beat half the field and I know it's just going to be 35. And so going in and obviously his past success has just given him the confidence to continue to play well. And golf is such a mental game. I mean, I think it was Hogan who said it's the, the true test, the space between your ears. And if you can figure it out yourself and he certainly has this recipe and the open championship coming up in Northern Ireland is going to be uh, a true test for any golfer because it's link style. It's different because style golf, but you know what? He got it. He cut his chops on the, on the challenge tour in Europe and he's someone that could easily win there, which is scary to think about. I mean, all the pressure is going to be on all those Northern Ireland guys uh, with Rory and Graham and those guys going back there. But I am not going to be the first one to say this, but Brooks could easily win that tournament, which is scary to think. And, and, he's got just the confidence going and just hitting the ball great and he's rolling the ball well and that's what you like to see in the in the top players in the game let's just hope that tiger's healthy enough to to compete with him and uh over his master's uh hangover yeah uh i think i forget which one it was but he, he mentioned a course specifically which you know he's locked in i think it was something along the lines of like st andrews he's like i'll win there for sure i don't know specifically <laughs> but he he had one course in the interview i heard Locked in, and, and yeah, it's incredible. I mean, even Tiger's Masters, everyone's forgetting Kepka was second, and one yeah, exactly. missed putt, one missed putt away from maybe forcing a playoff. So absolutely crazy. Uh, one last thing on this note, Tiger, we had to talk about him. Obviously, not his best performance, uh, but he still finished solid, finished very well for despite early struggles in the final round. And Josh, uh, also with that, saying or hinting at the fact that he might not play again until the British Open. So, what do you think of Tiger's final round and then his schedule going forward? Well, he, I mean, I watched every shot as, until Fox went away from the coverage, but I was following online and uh, on the, the featured holes. But he got off to a rough start. He's four over. And to be four over and to shoot six under after that is pretty phenomenal, uh, um, especially under those conditions with his back. I mean, the dude's had four back surgeries, the fusion, the latest one. And as he said over and over, and people just keep always harping on it, but it's hard to play in the cold and he's that's probably why he's not going to play again until the british and he just needs his rest i think he's going to pick and choose from now on be a hundred percent to go in to defend his title next year at the masters where because the rest of the year like 
I don't think he really cares about. Right, Obviously, right. he what he he cares and he tees it up and he tries his ass off every but single he's time. Going but, for masters, yeah, yeah, he's going for the masters. I mean, he's going for and, these and big majors, events. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and majors. I mean, yeah. You think he really at. cares about the FedEx Cup playoff this year? No, no. And he's because gotten he to a point too where it's also he's gotten up to the top rankings. He's gotten his ranking up enough to where he's not having to prove himself and having yep. to get to that elite level. I, I agree with you there. I, I think that. For most athletes, for pretty much all of them, reps are going to matter. Golf is such a unique sport that you can get the same, I guess, maybe not the same mental, obviously, edge, but you can get your reps in in a non-competitive environment. Yes. But, I mean, he's at a point with his back, as you mentioned, where he's just got to preserve it and try to, I don't want to say, you know, it's like he's almost like an aging boxer where there's always going to be that chance. There's always going to be that ability to rise up, and he's so mentally tough, which we know. But he can't be careless about just playing all the time because he's unfortunately just not built for that anymore. Yeah, and Mitch, the, the one key thing is with that Masters victory comes a five-year exemption. So now he's like, dude, oh, thank God. I'm 43. That gets me to 48. I don't really need to go out there and press. I can pick and choose when I want to play. I'll play my event in L.A. You know, he has that event in D.C. that he's still, I believe, uh, the Tiger Woods Foundation is the is the charity of choice for the PGA Tour there. That's usually around 4th of July weekend before the British or the Open Championship, excuse me. But with that five-year exemption, like you said, he can pick and choose. Like we were talking about at work, like Federer can choose not to play in the French for a couple of years because, I mean, it's a little different in golf, but because he was preserving his body to win Wimbledon. And it worked out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So these athletes in their in their latter years can get away with that. And let's just hope that Tiger is is around for five more years on the golf course because what he's bring what he brings to the game and the I am sure it lights the fire under these young kids. Like I mean, they're not kids anymore. Brooks and Gary are in their thirties, but but the younger generation, like we've talked about with you know Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and Cantlay and those guys who are hot on their heels and, and ready ready to uh, to get a piece of Tiger. So it's a fun time in golf, like you said. Sure is. Can't wait to see Tiger going forward along with these other golfers. I'm not ready to say he's going to pass Jack, though. I know he got the <laughs> one, but let's just, let's just you know, ease up on that a little bit. But, no, it's a great time for golf. All right, Josh Wynn, Money Mitch Effect. Now we're going to switch topics to your other passion, the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, yeah, they were in the news this weekend, too, but – Kind of for some better news. Anything better than the last couple weeks, but they did lock down Anthony Davis, but it came at a hefty price. I'm just going to read. I'm going to read the details of the trade, and then we'll just go from there. So Davis was traded from the Pelicans to the Lakers. Got a year left to know, and a four million dollar trade kicker, which we'll get to. But for Alonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, the number four pick in this year's draft, a 2021 top eight protected pick, where the Pelicans will convert it to a 2022 unprotected pick if the Lakers are still struggling then and then a pick swap in 2023 and 2024 or 25 unprotected first round pick Davis is a Laker wow that's a lot were my first two reactions (laughs) yeah uh especially considering he's unsigned after next year I want to say they've got to believe there's some sort of backroom negotiations uh going on and and a handshake deal that he will remain a Laker because if you are going to mortgage the future draft picks beyond this year, beyond the core that I've desperately followed religiously over the last few years, if you're going to get rid of all of them and all the later picks, then yeah, you're playing for now. So this is exciting as a Laker fan. Uh, The next, 
two weeks are going to be insane. I, I, I'm actually trying to avoid Twitter because hour to hour things change. Woj is incredible. Incredible. Uh, in, absolutely incredible. So that it's going to be really fun. And uh, to see if, if it's one of the, which one of the K's is going to come, whether it's Kemba, Kyrie or Kawhi, we'll see. And, to sit, I, I, I would prefer not. I mean, unless you would like me to sit here and speculate on which one it's going to be. I, well, I think it's it's going to be just, fun. The Lakers are back in the the news again. It's good. Okay. It, it's I'm a happy happy fan. No, and, and I want to I want to start by just outlining this with my opinion on this. I, I understand, especially with the Warriors injuries, and I do want to say shout out to the Raptors. Earned the NBA title. Yeah. You play who's in front of you. It was an unbelievable season and achievement you made the gamble on Kawhi. it paid off props to you it sucks with the injuries of both clay and durant durant a free agent clay obviously looking at something too but likely going to stay with the warriors but the, but the point being this is the most wide open the nba has been in about five years where you don't have the warriors just looming in the western conference as this juggernaut so i get why teams like utah acquiring conley today why the lakers make their move for davis a year early because this is going to be a golden opportunity to win the West and then see what happens. Uh, this is the most that I can remember a player getting dealt for that's a pending free agent. And look, we, we were in agreement, Josh, that there are players that are worth trading for. You trade young assets to get a great player, a transcendent player like Davis. So I'm with you. Yes. I think we're in agreement that Ball, Hart, Ingram, and even the number four pick, that's yeah, fine. Sure. But where they really lost me was all those draft picks that David Griffin – you know, put smartly put protections and provisions on when I don't know who else they were competing against. I don't know why that was a necessary part of the equation. And I don't know if Polenka really had that planned out or if he just said, we're getting Davis no matter what happens. So, you know, and we could say Griffin is a sharper guy. It's funny. You put someone in there, you know, Dell Demps is gone. Griffin's in. He plays the media game of, well, it's not going to happen. We have multiple suitors. Then the deal goes to where we all went along. So Griffin played his hand beautifully. But I still look at these draft picks and think, man, the Lakers better win a title in the next three years. Some of these picks are good. Like the 2024-25 pick, LeBron's 40. Probably not the factor that he is in the league right now. So I just think there's going to be a lot of wait and see for how well the Pelicans do in this trade. But the Lakers, they they definitely put a, put a countdown clock on their championship aspirations. They did unless they get this third star in the next couple of weeks because if they do that and they potentially let's just be let's go to the to the born and bred socal laker fan dream so let's okay. say Kawhi signs on like a two-year deal okay i'll give you and, credit for Kawhi. like you're you're one of the few if this happens i will give you all the respect in the world is okay, one of the so, few that are still holding out hope. <laughs> so just hear me out. So let's let's say he does that. Signs a two-year deal to be like, okay, I'm going to hang around, see what we can do in this, like you said, depleted NBA. <laughs> Holy moly, Mike Trout just hit another home run. Oh, Sorry, I had to interrupt. Um, in any case, if Kawhi were to come and do this two-year, like I, I, it would be a one-and-one one or something like that, just to hang around for this LeBron era of the Lakers – and they were to be successful, then what's to say that Kawhi and AD can push, Le not push LeBron off, but have LeBron retire into the sunset and have a dynasty for, you know, the next foreseeable future. Mm. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. If that doesn't happen, and for some 
crazy reason, but only in today's NBA, your boy uh, in Cleveland Cavalier legend Kyrie joins the Lakers. Um, <laughs> like the, wow. could that could potentially happen? I don't know if that's a great fit, but maybe. Or if Kemba's the, is probably the best well, player well, to, to fit yeah. with the other two guys. Let's but just look at it like who knows what the money side of this isn't going to be easy. And I think that's I get what you're saying. If they can add to it the LeBron aging with another superstar in there, and and I, and I get that for, for Kawhi. I mean, he's not the only place he's signing a one and one deal. I think is Toronto. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. If he's going to leave, he's going to make that commitment financially and get paid as he should. The question comes for me with the Lakers, you know, how are they going to, and I'm, I'm asking this kind of honestly, not like, you know, casually here. Uh, I'm just wondering how they're going to create the space for another big max slot guy. Jimmy Butler's another name that's out there right now. I think it's what about 30, maybe 32 million. They could try to have under the cap. I mean, these guys are signing for $40 million a year. We talked about some of the people that are turning down big money. Yeah. Horford and Barnes turning down those with, contracts today are insane. With, I mean, with the money going up too, this is the Houston Rockets problem. The salaries go up. The, you know, Davis is going to sign his big deal. I, that's the one thing the Lakers don't have to worry about. He's staying in LA for the long haul. Yeah. But the question is, okay, you sign out a deal that's going to probably not be front loaded because it can't. It's going to be harder to keep adding people the longer we go. So I'm intrigued with how they build this roster, and I'm not blaming the Lakers for going all in for the end of LeBron's prime. That, that's how it works. That's what you signed up for. So. I just I wouldn't have hedged the entire future with the draft picks. I mean that that's where they kind of lose me. Absolutely, and that's where Rob's probably probably Rob's a little naive here, and he's got Kurt in his ear, and who and he's going to be fired if it else. doesn't work out anyway. So I yeah, mean, like yeah, it doesn't matter to him. So he's all in now. We need to be the Lakers have missed the playoffs for six straight years. It's depressing. We need something to root for, and the other side of the coin here that's pretty crazy is there's a faction of like not our co-worker jeffrey chiz but there's a faction of people that don't like this new regime don't like lebron and him being a laker and and the the puppet master agent um rich paul yeah, rich paul like and it. that and i can see that side of it i mean it was difficult for me to see all these kids go i mean i i not have nothing but respect for all the kids who, who just left and who departed over the years randall and and everyone but i'm i'm rooting for new orleans now because the it, it's i i want those kids to succeed and, and you're giving up i know we talk, we're talking about the future draft picks but you just gave up on two 21 year olds who potentially could be all-stars in this league like or at least very very serviceable players in ingram and ball and it's tough that it's all this mentality to win now because i'm thinking for the rest of my life, like I, I, I do want to win now. Yes, but part of me wanted to sit on this, sign one guy this year, let Boston trade everything for AD. He goes there for a year, then says mm. peace out, and comes to LA, right. and then Boston suffers, and we win, and <laughs> we still have every all of our young core, and then we can choose. Okay, uh, balls or Ingram's up, we got to pay him. Kuzma, we got to pay him, or whatever. Then you have options. Now right. we're gonna piece together. A roster with, God forbid, Beasley and like McGee was great, oh. so I have nothing to put respect for him. But Lance and, and these other guys who it's just like I, I don't want that. And I mean I, the early talk already is like Trevor Reese is coming, 
and, and all these people. But yeah, but I want Trevor from like five years ago. Like we need to find the new Trevor Reza. <laughs> right. Boston so, suffers. You guys win. We're back in the 80s now. And, yeah, that's <laughs> uh, great. I also think that the Warriors, I mean, what we said, the injuries, that opened up everything. That that put this whole, every team's philosophy for winning on a fast track. Every team saw that and was like, we got to go now. Except for maybe 100%. Houston because the, the, they're financially strapped. But everybody else, and rightfully so, look, there's no guarantees. Toronto proved that last year. You got to go for it. So I get that. I also think there's going to be a lot more pressure on Kuzma because while he's great and I have nothing really to say negative about him, just the pressure got a lot thicker for that kid. So I, I, I hope, it did, but he's, I hope be he's the, ready to go. I, I do. Just just know now he's going to be the fourth option, which is going to be great once they get that third okay. wheel. We're, we're so. locked into that. Huh? You're definitely <laughs> going to get that fourth option. Well, I will say last thing on the deal. The Pelicans, I think, are going to be fun. We still don't know what the roster is going to look like. There's still talks about the trade. This is going to True. this episode's going to drop the day of the draft, so we'll see if they make a deal. For, uh, trading out of the fourth pick, but you have Lonzo, you have Ingram. Randall's probably not coming back, but maybe Drew Holiday. I mean, Zion coming. It's going to be fun. So it's, it's I can't wait exciting. to see what they develop there. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting City too. time. Lob City, too, maybe. And uh, yeah, they are really young, as we saw with D'Angelo Russell. There's still a lot of time for these players. And that's, I mean, develop. shoot, what wouldn't uh, Ingram would have been on the same team as Zion and. Uh, <laughs> And R.J. at Duke. Yeah. And wow. Reddish. And Reddish, <laughs> who's probably going to be the seventh pick in the draft. Like, So that's what's fun time for the NBA. A lot of, a lot of talent out there. For sure. More and more NBA chatter with Josh Witten here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, I did have to get your point to, to cheer everybody up around the league outside of Houston. Chris Paul claims another casualty, it looks like. <laughs> hey, and and I, I've never... like. Obviously, we've seen the past couple of years how he's probably not the best person in the locker room. It's developing into a trend. I understand being frustrated with playing with James Harden. I mean, let's just be obvious. It doesn't look like the most fun brand of basketball for everyone on that team not named James Harden. But demanding yeah. a trade when you're making $40 million as a 30-what-3-year-old? Interesting strategy. I, I don't know that they can really accommodate him like he thinks in his mind he will be. No, and it, Chris Paul's delusional if he didn't know who James Harden as a basketball player was right. before he signed there. He signed there for the money. Stay. Don't bitch. I used to love the guy. Like, I cursed David Stern so many times because he nixed the deal to the Lakers. So, like, I, yeah. I, I always wanted him to be a Laker. And I'm still some part of me, like, it, it's not going to believe this till it's in ink on July 6th or July 30th or whatever Woj tells me it's going to be. With Anthony Davis, I think the rug's going to be pulled out from under us, and he's not going to be a Laker. Like, just because of as happy we all were for Chris Paul coming to be a Laker ten years ago or mm-hmm. seven years ago or whenever it was, but he he just seems to be a pariah in the locker room. And with this contract, I don't think he's tradable. I mean, I know there's teams out there. I think you mentioned Miami earlier that want him, but but I don't know why you would saddle your your team with that contract because it's not going to it's not going to bring you anything he's not proven a reliable playoff um (laughs) yeah the rockets are so i'm talking about he's a great great he's a hall of famer but he's not doesn't prove to sustain his health the rockets are so screwed in the long run if this doesn't work out because you're paying this guy 40 million dollars a year and he was the third best player last year eric gordon was a better option on on offense clearly 
you know, every other team that we talked about, you know, and we threw in Denver as a team that is one move away from making it. Portland, if they can get one more score, why can't they make a run for the West, depending on what OKC does as well? But Houston just doesn't have the ammo there. And, and with, with the stuff you're hearing there, it's, it's, well, Chris Paul, that, that situation is, is terrible, it seems. But it's more than just that. Maury and uh, D'Antoni aren't getting along. The owner's not really sure. I mean, he, he basically said he didn't want to give the deal to Chris Paul. Harden, Harden is at the tail end of his prime, and, and call me, you know, crazy to say I don't see him as the guy that's going to be in shape, changing his diet around in his mid thirties to extend it. So I think you're no. going to have major problems there. And to hear what the, I mean, the, what the what George, you and I were talking about this morning about on on Twitter to see that the interest in Jimmy Butler. How does bringing another ball dominant guy into that system work? When it's then three one-on-one ISO players you need to try to get the ball to. That yeah, doesn't you just work. burn it down at that and point. Just, I mean, and you shoot Maury's, 53s a game anyway. Yeah. So. just crazy. He's just like got a death wish for that. He's like, we're either gonna, it's going to happen or it's going to flame out and I'm out of here. So, uh, yeah, I, that that's a crazy one. But, you know, there, there's been some other things. And, and the last thing I want to talk about before we get to the uh, before we get to the draft coming up the Celtics are another team that doesn't look like it. it's going great right now. I know that brings a smile to your face, but Horford opting out, probably not coming back. Look, that one, sorry, I'm not paying Al Horford $33 million for a long-term deal, especially Boston. So I don't think that's the end of the world. I know it's a short-term loss, but the Kyrie situation could not have gone any worse all season. There was no worse big-name acquisition in the NBA, and it wasn't even close. So I'm I'm still saying that maybe taking a step backwards might enable them to take two steps forward because there's there's a thing in sports we know team sports called chemistry and the Celtics did not have that at all last year. No, and I mean there's the grumblings all year. Is it Brad Stevens playing favorites? Did he put Gordon Hayward out on the court too early in the starting lineup? Yada yada. Who knows? I mean, I'd love to be inside Danny Ainge's head right now. Um, I hope he's going to be okay with his heart, but. Uh, they set themselves up for this summer for five years and it's going to potentially crumble right in front of their eyes with everything they wanted, all these pieces in place. I don't know, like going back to the, to the Laker trade, what was the pressure that Danny was putting on, on new Orleans that the Lakers had to throw in those other two draft picks? Like, is that why? Like, I I don't, uh, okay, we, we have to get AD because that seems like the only plausible scenario. Kyrie was leaving, right? There's no way he was going to stay. I mean, maybe they thought, oh, we can at this point just get AD and then try to convince him. But that that's, I, I still think he was just trying to drive up the market to screw over the Lakers because he hates them from his playing days. But regardless, <laughs> that was just a ill-conceived plan. Yeah, th- this this summer was their target for a while, and now they, they look totally out of it. I, I still think there's a lot of talent there. <laughs> And, yeah, and maybe they, they it was a, a situation of too many cooks last year. Uh, but whatever the case may be, I, I mean, they have to start with just with just getting their mindset right. I know it sounds super cliche, but they didn't have fun playing last year. And no. they didn't want to play together at all. So maybe just moving on, getting some new pieces there. I mean, the other side of it too, Josh, is what Kyrie does, if it's not L.A., it looks like Brooklyn. In fact, Brooklyn. I'd, I'd wager a lot on that given the fact that his new representative at Rock Nation's brother runs the Brooklyn Nets, so I follow that trend. But did you, by the way, hold on, sorry yeah. to interrupt. Did you see Kuzma's tweet about thirty minutes ago? 
Oh, we're in emoji season. That's great. That's how I okay. know I'm getting old because that's uh, that's how we're breaking breaking news now. But what does that mean? That could mean that he just bought a new car. No, 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 no. So he did I like I don't know eight set of eyeballs, and then he re he retweeted his own tweet with four sets, but he changed the graphic of a picture of him of Kyrie guarding him. So everybody in the obviously doing their little speculation dance was like oh that just means that Kyrie's coming to the Lakers so just wanted to throw it out there yeah, that just okay. happened about 30 minutes ago so that's what the stupid world we live in and how it's one click or one scroll down at a time to see what uh, like I said Woj the best in the business has to say next I'm not going to take him at his word <laughs> given all that he said last year and some of the comments made on the uh, on the planet itself so he's not going to take Kyrie <laughs> At his word at all. But, again, if he goes to Brooklyn, we got a new chain of events because what happens with D'Angelo Russell? I mentioned some teams earlier that could use him, especially in the West. It's going to be a Maybe fun offseason. Maybe even the Lakers. Maybe even the Lakers. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. All right, last thing, Josh, before I let you go with the draft coming up here. It, it's still got drama in it, maybe on the trade side and, and after pick three, I'll say. But we kind of know. I mean, we kind of know what's going to happen with Zion going one, no-brainer. John Morant going two to Memphis now, another pretty much no-brainer. Yep. Another report that the Knicks are all locked in on R.J. Barrett, on RJ, which yeah. is why they wouldn't trade down at all. Makes sense. They had that zoned in. Don't mm-hmm. have any problem with those picks, especially the Knicks. They're just going to let R.J. Barrett ball out if they do sign Kevin Durant injured. And they'll still be solidly bad but then you have Durant and another draft pick coming and, and Barrett with some game experience so yeah top three is going to be no-brainer but four is where I'm looking at because anything's on the table there yeah and it depends on what like you said what they do with Drew there if they trade it I mean I know Atlanta is looking to, to get down there potentially with the three picks they have in the first round you know I, I watched a little uh thing earlier in the week on NBA a little mock draft thing talking about even with the pick if New Orleans were to keep it, that uh, Hunter from UVA was what was the choice there, and defensive guy that can kind of bring a little uh, fortitude to that side of the ball. Great player who just won a national championship. Not right. bad to add to your roster, but yeah, it, it, it's not necessarily wide open. I mean, but uh, th- there's always a steal. There's always multiple steals in every draft, and these non-lottery picks that turn out to be way better than their. Than the picks before them that just turned out to be cheaper acquisitions for the clubs. So right. uh, tomorrow night should be, you know, like you said, one, two, three, and then hopefully some fireworks. It'd be good to get some uh, some teams bouncing around and, and talked about. Right, we talked about that today. How like the 2011 draft, which was talked about as not being a good one, elite wise, had Kawhi and Jimmy Butler in it. And I do think <laughs> that that's partly because scouts rather err on the side of that they're not as good as we think. Because mm-hmm. you'll lose your job if you're the other way wrong. If you think this guy's surefire draft him Hall of Famer and you're wrong there, that could be troubling. But uh, fourth pick, depending on what happens, I still like Garland from Vanderbilt. I'm telling you, that's the guy for me. Like, I'd even consider him on the same level as R.J. Barrett. Yeah, had, and going into know. the season, was he not already, like, a projected top three pick? Yeah, he had the injury. Injured. So, yeah, I mean, he, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. he's got skills, and everyone uh, – everyone would really like to see him. I, I just think that Phoenix is praying that he drops down to six, but we'll see what happens there. I, I mean, to put him uh, in the same backcourt in Phoenix, uh, that would be pretty solid uh, core to start with there. But yeah, it's going to be interesting tomorrow night. Uh, do you think anything's going to potentially, any fireworks are going to happen? I do. 
I think there's going to be uh, a couple. I, I do think there's going to be fireworks in the term of uh, trades. I think I'm looking at Brooklyn. I think they're going to start tipping their hand one way or the, or the other with the Kyrie thing. I think they okay. might make some moves. They either signify, hey, we're going to be we're going to be clearing up space to get Kyrie, or maybe the other way around. So that'd be the team I'd look at. I know the Hawks want to move up. Uh, I just don't think the deal's there unless the Pelicans want to part with four for eight and ten. Um, yeah, but you know, there's some prospects I'm looking at. Cam Reddish is one. Remember, all that hype had a terrible college season. Absolutely, where he lands, how he looks at the next level, and then further down the list because I'm not sure where he's going to get drafted. Probably in the mid to late first round. But how could you not root for Bull Bull? I know, unbelievable. What a story, and what a. I mean, if he were to somehow drop the bullets, he's the most. Excuse me, the bullets, but he's the most polarizing guy, maybe in this draft, Josh, because they all think he has top ten, maybe even top five potential. All the scouts, yeah, it's a matter of of ava- availability. So, I mean, Absolutely. he's a seven three guard almost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty crazy. Pretty crazy, and uh, like you said, what a story! And hopefully, uh, you can sustain some good health and have a great career. Uh, Knock down some threes like his daddy used to. Oh man! Yeah, and you got to give a shout out to your guy, maybe the fastest rising late addition to the draft green room area out of USC, Mr. Kevin Porter. I know. Going to be on late site. Ad there, late. number twenty-two. I think he was the twenty-second ad. Well, that what does that tell room. you? I mean, we're conspiracy guys at heart. So if he's a late ad and he's going to be there, I think he's talking to some teams. Yeah. Which is which is great, and uh, I know they already have a top three recruiting class infield signed for USC for next year. So I don't know. It's been six years, I think, since he's come from Florida Atlantic. So hopefully, <laughs> at some point, the USC basketball. But that's for another yeah. show, for another day. Absolutely. Well, this was this was a blast, Josh. Appreciate you coming on. We will uh, we'll leave on USC basketball instead of USC football. <laughs> I don't that's think, a good transition. I don't, I don't want to go to I think USC that's a football bad, right now. I think that's a bad conversation uh, for sure. And I think point. it's worthy of a full show. It definitely is. And, and just one other thing, it wouldn't. there's no way. I don't have the advanced metrics, but I'm going to venture to say that's not the first time, won't be the last time, Mike Trot homers in the middle of a show. So it probably, hap- it probably happens a lot. But Josh, Sorry for the unprofessionalism. <laughs> hey, man, we're all fans at heart. We wouldn't be doing this if not. If the Indians hit any home runs, I'd probably stop the show and pause for a second. So, Josh Wynn, thanks again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Cheers, Mitch. Thanks so much. Big thanks to our guest, Josh Wynn, for coming on the show and breaking down the U.S. Open, talking NBA. I know he'll be following the Lakers offseason with every bone in his body, so we'll have to get him back on again at some point. But huge thanks to uh, another great guest on this podcast. I want to say one quick thing before we go about the NHL awards that were last night. Um, The awards are great. It's great to give out any hardware to the deserving players. It's good to get the hockey community together to celebrate but there was one moment in particular I wanted to bring up, and that was Carey Price greeting a, a fan, Anderson Whitehead. And if you don't know this moment, I think you really should look out and, and look up and, and see exactly what happened and how this story started. But Anderson Whitehead is the name of this fan, and his mother was dying. And she wanted one last wish for her son, and what she helped arrange was for her son to meet Carey Price. Now, Obviously, I, I've never met this woman, but she's an incredible, incredible, powerful lady to be able to look out for her son in her terrible and the worst time of her life as she's dying. She did pass away. Carrie Price met this fan 
And being the class pro that he is, I'm no Canadians fan uh, at all. But Carey Price greeted him, gave him a hug. It was a very powerful moment. And I'm not going to demonize any athlete or any person that grants a wish, grants a powerful wish, treats it as such, and then that's it. That's just the natural story in the sports world. But for what Carey Price did last night, following up on it, they got him out to the NHL awards show. Uh, he was faking like he was taping a video message saying how powerful that moment was. The kid was there as well. And then he comes out, greets him, gives him a hug, a lot of tears in the air. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say I, I teared up and cried a little bit as well. But Carey Price pulling it together saying, I have two questions for you. Are, do you want this jersey? It was his. Obviously, he wanted that. And then if you want to go to the All-Star game. And, and I couldn't help but think as we watch this, maybe it's just me getting a little bit older. or Maybe it's just the sporting world changing for the better. I'd like to hope it's the second, but it's probably a little bit of both. But I feel like athletes, uh, I feel like the positive side of athletes is starting to really pick up the slack. Now, again, I, I was a little younger. I wasn't paying attention to the charitable deeds that a lot of athletes were doing. But I do feel like sports as a whole, we're starting to see the positive side in these athletes more and more. And you really see in a moment like that the power that sports can do. This kid lost his mother. This kid was in a bad shape, obviously. I couldn't even imagine what that would feel like. But for Carey Price, the Montreal Canadiens, the NHL, and his peers, NHL uh, players and, and coaches and, and media members to be there and to help put this together, I just think it was awesome. And I think everybody out there should check it out. Uh, a class act is Carey Price. Just phenomenal stuff there. Uh, I'm really praying for this kid, Anderson Whitehead, to keep going uh, in, after losing his mom. But he knows he has an entire hockey community around him, an entire sports community around him. And uh, there's nothing better than the power of sports uplifting and in a moment where you can make a fan, create a fan for life in a bond that won't break. So props to Price, props to the NHL. That's going to do it for today's show. I wanted to say again, thanks everybody for listening. You can check out the entire podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by just searching Money Mitch Effect and it pops right up. And remember to keep enjoying sports. Follow me on Twitter, Money Mitch M21, Facebook as well, the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. We'll talk some baseball next week and some other summer things as well. This was the Money Mitch Effect. I'm Mitch Michaels. I'll talk to you next time.